Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Good morning, Vietnam! I have you now. We came, we saw, we kicked its ass. Hello! My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious... You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week, 30 years in the making. The Game of Thrones people. I no. am, but I haven't started watching this season yet. Well, yeah. I'm aware. I've read the four books. you read the books. Oh. I've read four of the books. Okay. I got burnt out. And then I just don't have an easy avenue to get the show. Sure. Okay. Sure. <clears throat> Rumor has it, there's another book on the way real soon. A fifth book? <laughs> they, haven't they been saying that for like I know, I was four or five years? Have you guys read anything? Well, he's saying, I heard, I heard he's that saying he's reading. 2018, he's, and they might release two in 2018. I heard that he's writing two new books, and neither of them are a Game of Thrones book. Oh, for Christ's And that's sake. got people... A little up in arms. Sure. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of being up in arms, hey, we are um, the 30-something movie podcast, but this time around, we're not even going to talk about movies. Man. Nope. We're talking about a TV show. Yeah. We're talking about a TV show that started in 1987. Yep. Mm. And then ran for seven seasons. I would dare say our formative years. Absolutely yep. our formative years. Yep. Um, <clears throat> ran for seven seasons. Uh, we are talking Star Trek The Next Generation this time around, yeah, and we, we have been... We, we have, pull back the curtain just a little bit here, we set up a Google Doc, and we knew that, I think, Dennis and Jeff didn't really get into Star Trek The Next Generation stuff, so they just said, you know, you boys enjoy yourselves. Mm-hmm. So I have with me here Pat. Hey, hey. I have Bo. Yo. And then myself, John Reed. Uh, so we set up a Google Doc, and we tried to challenge ourselves with limiting some things to our top five favorite episodes, and top five this, and top five that, and... And uh, I think it was a bit of a challenge. Just a tad. I think we were, I think we were changing things even as early as ten minutes ago. Yeah. I think I just changed something ten minutes ago. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and then we posed the question out to Twitter too, and I actually got a few responses back from people on kind of what some of their favorite episodes were. So we'll share some of those up here in a in a few minutes or so. Um, but uh, yeah, so we're gonna be talking about Star Trek: The Next Generation this time, and depending how long we end up talking, because as we were kind of getting ready for this episode, we kind of realized this might take a while. Might so, be a uh, time. If, uh, if it takes a while, we may break this one up into two different episodes. Uh, that being said, there was a lot of stuff that came out this last week from Comic-Con and from the D23 Disney uh, Expo, and I think Jeff was really interested in talking about some of that stuff, so we're not going to talk about movie trailers and new movie news and any of that stuff right now, uh, but we are going to do, I think we're just going to do a separate episode where we talk all about that fun stuff. Um, and we might end up doing that instead of me doing the worst of 1987 show because I can't find any of those movies anywhere. And I really don't want to pay like 15 bucks to buy Ishtar on iTunes. And It's amazing how hard it is to find bad. Leonard Part 6. And it's like the studio is like, no, you mm-hmm. can just hide that on a shelf somewhere. Well, because some of them are bad, but you can still find them. Like if they're really bad, you can find them on YouTube. Right. And nobody cares that they're being pirated. Right. But if they're 
bad and and they're like recognized for being bad. Uh-huh. It's the really obscure bad ones. Nobody cares. Right. It's the ones that's like Leonard Part Six. Well, that's bad, but we're not going to let you pirate that one. <laughs> you can yeah. pay the two ninety nine to rent it from YouTube. No, it's okay. no, I'm not even going to spend two ninety nine on that. The bad ones that no one wants to see are readily available. <clears throat> right. It's the well. Yeah. Right. Uh, <sighs> nobody needs to pay two ninety nine to have their eyes molested by Bill Cosby. <laughs> what did I did I say something? Wow. So, I'm not sure where we're going with that one. <laughs> I'm not sure what I'm not sure what's <clears throat> grown. I got okay. a bad feeling about it. All right, this. we do. When we talk about movies, we spoil everything, and we're going to do that for our Star Trek talk today. So, if you have not watched Star Trek: The Next Generation, I don't know what you're doing with your life. Check it out. Um, Check it you out. should go. It's all on Netflix. If you have Netflix, the um, HD remaster is on Netflix. I is that? Know. I thought I noticed. I that believe some that of the, is the uh, HD remaster. <clears throat> okay, I thought I noticed that some of the special effects were mm-hmm. better than I remember, and they did a lot of work on that. And mm-hmm. there's a big push now that I know Pat will be uh, interested in. There's a big push now to see if they can get Paramount to do an HD remaster of Deep Space Nine. Oh, okay. Um, it was expensive mm-hmm. to do the remaster. Worth okay. every penny. Seven years worth of effects and mm-hmm. just other things. Took some time. I don't know that they're going to throw the money at any of the other series, but it would be cool. You can definitely tell in some of the more affecting mm-hmm. episodes that oh, yeah. they've done things. Oh, yeah. yeah. <coughs> a, lot of 90, the ma- a lot of the mat shots are cleaned up, uh-huh. a lot of that stuff. 93? Yeah. 93? For? Deep Space Nine? Or is that 94? I think Deep Space Nine was 93. 93, because they ran, yeah. I, I just can't remember how long they <coughs> ran sequentially, uh, next to each other. Yeah, I think it was only a couple years. So then 93. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we are going to be, we'll be talking about some of our favorite episodes. We're going to talk about the plot of some of those episodes. So we're going to, if you have not seen Star Trek, the next generation, we're going to give stuff away. So just be aware of that up front. Um, but it's definitely worth your time, Pat. I think you said you binged the entire seven year run in two days. Uh, a week, <coughs> not quite two days. Okay. A week. All right. So it's like one day per season. Pretty much. And okay. if you're super into this show, I can't recommend highly enough, um, Two Star Trek The Next Generation specific podcasts. If you're a little more serious about it, Mission Log, if you're not, if you don't take yourself too seriously, The Greatest Generation. Or listen to them both, do an episode at a time of each, and enjoy. <laughs> I mean, I just. I, I need to go through. I have too many podcasts. Oh, I understand. In my backlog of things, but I, I want to start listening to the the greatest generation one. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> I gotta I gotta do a culling of all my Those podcasts. Those guys are a yeah. stitch. They're, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll check that one out then. And they have they have such a following. If you look up hashtag greatest generation on Twitter, there's a guy Bill Tilly's his name. He creates digital, like you know how they had back in the day they had trading cards. Mm-hmm. So he creates digital trading cards for the episode of The Greatest Generation Mm. using images from the show. So he'll create four cards using images from the episode, but the references on the cards are all to the podcast. It's a little meta and crazy, but it's awesome. Okay. It's quite a a thing they've got going over there. And they just recently announced that they will be continuing on to do Deep Space Nine, which is exciting. Okay. All right. We'll check that out then. Um, if you have not, or if you're listening to the show and you are enjoying it, please leave us a review on iTunes. We would love to hear what you're liking about the show, and uh, 
um, if there's anything that we can improve on, because we always are interested in trying to make it even better. So, well, John um, well I'm interested in making it better. I, Bo doesn't really care. No. No. Okay. Um, real quick, before we get into the Star Trek stuff, I don't have a whole lot in the way of, like, social media updates. Um, I did, we don't have to comment on this. We did have a couple of people reply back. Um, actually, yeah, had a couple of different things, uh, replies on, like, favorite episodes from Star Trek The Next Generation, and we had um, the Semi-Intellectual Musings podcast um, from Twitter. It is at the underscore sim underscore pod on Twitter, and they said, uh, can't decide the best, so they picked a few different ones. Uh, they picked Tapestry from Season 6, Episode 15, Data's Day from Season 4, Episode 11, uh, Best of Both Worlds, the season 3, episode 26, and season 4, episode 1, or Deja Q, season 3, episode 13. And they kind of mm. said, really, any Borg or Q episode they were okay There's with. Interesting, uh, <clears throat> interesting choices. Mm-hmm. And they were the ones that shared with me, because I have seen like the Picard video, and I have seen you know some of the ones where Riker is throwing his leg over the chair. And uh, The one they shared with me was the YouTube video, Worf Gets Denied Again and Again on Star Trek The Next Generation. And it is 15 minutes of people telling Worf no. I, speaking of Worf, I don't know if there's a YouTube on this because I did not search it. I'm realizing now I should have, and maybe I'll see if there is one right now. But if you happen to binge this anytime soon, mm-hmm. pay attention to how much trouble Worf has opening doors. Really? It's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> it's, I don't know if it was a conscious choice. They don't have the, doors on Kronos? I guess not, Okay. because I don't know if it was a conscious choice by the writers or what, but there is a disturbing amount of times that Worf has trouble with doors. I remember when they end up in that, like, uh, laboratory, McGillan mm-hmm. has them going, and he's, mm-hmm. like, walking down to the one side, and it loops him back, and he gets mad, and he's, like, forcing the door. That's mm-hmm. the one I'm... Is that what you're talking about? Like, every time he has to wrestle with doors or whatever? Or, huh. There is a 43-second YouTube video, Worf has trouble with doors. Huh. Okay. There's a... a Minute-long YouTube video that's just Star Trek bloopers incident with doors. Okay. But, yeah, Worf has trouble with doors. More early, Mm -hmm. first three seasons or so, but it's kind of, it makes you wonder if it was a running gag in the writer's room. Mm -hmm. Because it happens a lot. (laughs) Okay. And you're like, this poor guy, this freaking Klingon, he's huge, (laughs) can't open a door to save his life. That's awesome. You know, they're warriors. They're not doormen. Mm. So, mm. okay. I'll have to go look that up. All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump on in. <clears throat> so some of the background info before we get into listing off our favorites and, you know, talking for hours about that. Um, the original run date for Star Trek The Next Generation, that's why we are covering it. So on our show, if you have not listened before, uh, first of all, welcome. We are called the 30-something movie podcast because each year we take a look back at movies from 30 years ago. Uh, and in this case, TV shows from 30 years ago. So that's why we're looking at Star Trek The Next Generation, because it started on September 28th, 1987, and 87 is our year this year. Uh, we're going to look at the entire series, not just the first season, because if it were just looking at the first season, we probably would have to have a lot more to drink, mm-hmm. um, and it would be a very short episode. Done in about five minutes. And uh, Yeah, so <clears throat> not necessarily big fans of the first season. Um, so we're going to be looking at the entire run of Star Trek The Next Generation. Um much to Pat's disappointment, we're only talking about Next Generation, not Deep Space Nine. 
2023. I know you. I know baby. you like both, but you, right, you know. right. It, I can, you know, 2023. Yeah. So there you go. 2023. Six more years, and we can talk about uh, Deep Space Nine. That's right. There you go. And, and plenty of good things to, you know, be like. It, it, uh, oh yeah. What do I say? Tip the not tip. What am I trying to say? I don't Hint. Know. Point. Uh, yeah. Foreshadow. Foreshadow. The there foreshadow. The the, there you go. Yeah. Well, it only took me like three minutes to. That's all right. Out. That's all right. Um, we can throw you in the middle of a temporal loop, and then it, you will have actually come up with that That's before right. you He's, thought of it. And then, exactly, yeah. exactly. We'll, um, you know, we'll put something in a, a Decion field, yeah. and uh, we'll transmit that back using well, your you know, positronic matrix. Picard stuck something in Data's head that they found, you know, mm-hmm. like years later. So, right. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, there's going to be a lot of that going on this time around. So, big nerds, big nerds. So it started September 28th, 1987, and ran until May 23rd, 1994. Uh, started with Encounter at Farpoint and ended with All Good Things. Um, and then there were no TV ratings at this point uh, when the show was on, so there was no rating for it. But it ran each episode ran about 44 minutes, um, and some of them were double episodes. Uh, executive producer was Gene Roddenberry from 1987 to 1991, when he died in 91. Uh, he also produced Have Gun, Will Travel, The Lieutenant, and Earth Final Conflict. Rick Berman was another producer from 89 to 94. He did all of the Next Generation Era movies, Deep Space, Na- Deep Space Nine, Voyager, and Enterprise. Uh, the showrunners were Maurice Hurley from 88 to 89 um, and died in 2015. Also did The Equalizer, Baywatch Nights, and Baywatch. Michael Piller, who uh, did, was a showrunner from 89 to 94, also died in 2005, did Simon & Simon, Miami Vice, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Insurrection, and the Dead Zone TV series. Jerry Taylor was another showrunner from 93 to 94, did Quincy M.E., Magnum P.I., In the Heat of the Night, Jake and the Fat Man, and Voyager. Uh, writers, there were a ton of writers for the show, so I just kind of picked out the, the three who did the most episodes, and that was Tracy Torme, who did uh, who also wrote for Saturday Night Live, Sliders, and Fire in the Sky. Ronald D. Moore, probably one of the more famous of the writers on the show, also did Star Trek Deep Space Nine, did uh, Generations, the movie, First Contact, Mission Impossible 2, the new Battlestar Galactica, and the TV show Outlander. Uh, Brandon Braga was the other one. And uh, he did Generations, First Contact, Mission Impossible 2, Voyager, Enterprise, 24, Flash Forward, and the TV show Salem. Uh, The theme music was composed by Alexander Courage and Jerry Goldsmith. Episode composers, um, three of the more prominent ones were Dennis McCarthy, Jay Chataway, and Ron Jones. The budget, I tried to look it up an average per episode, and I think the one that I found was $1.3 million per episode. And at the time, it was one of the most expensive one-hour TV shows that you could make. And the average viewers uh, ran somewhere between 8.6 and 11.5 million viewers per episode. When you had episodes like Encounter at Farpoint and I think Unification, um, some of those you got up to like 25 million, 27 million, big numbers. So, uh, but averaged somewhere between 8.5 and 11.5 million. Starring Patrick Stewart as Captain Jean-Luc Picard. He was also in Mayberry, Dune, Robin Hood Men in Tights, the X-Men films, and American Dad. Jonathan Frakes was Commander William T. Riker. He was in the North and South series, the Gargoyles cartoon, and he is currently in the Guardians of the Galaxy cartoon. Uh, Brent Spiner was Lieutenant Commander Data. He was in Night Court and Independence Day. LeVar Burton was Lieutenant Commander Geordi LaForge. He was in Roots, Reading Rainbow, Captain Planet and the Planeteers, and Transformers Rescue Bots cartoon. Marina Sirtis was Counselor Deanna Troy. She was in Gargoyles, Crash, and NCIS. 
Michael Dorn was Lieutenant Worf. He was in Chips, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, The Cow and Chicken Cartoon, and Arrow. Gates McFadden, or Cheryl McFadden, depending on where you see her in the credits of certain movies and TV shows, was Dr. Beverly Crusher. She was in The Muppets Take Manhattan and The Hunt for Red October. Majel Barrett, who died in 2008, was the Enterprise Computer and Loxana Troy. She was in pretty much everything Star Trek that was ever made, because she was married to Gene Roddenberry for a while. And she was also in Earth Final Conflict. Will Wheaton was Ensign Wesley Crusher, um, or The Boy, you said, as the one podcast refers to him. Wesley, The Boy. Wesley, The Boy. Nice. Uh, the Last Starfighter, Stand By Me, Flubber, and Big Bang Theory. Colm Meany is Chief Miles O'Brien. He was in Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Con Air, Far and Away, Last of the Mohicans, and Hell on Wheels. Denise Crosby played Lieutenant Tasha Yar. She was in 48 Hours, Pet Cemetery, and Deep Impact. Whoopi Goldberg was Guinan, and she was in The Color Purple, Ghost, Sister Act, Captain Planet and the Planeteers, and The Lion King. Diana Muldar played Dr. Pulaski. She was in The Other, McHugh, The Miracle Worker, L.A. Law, and Batman the Animated Series. She was also in the original series. Was she really? Trek. She played... Oh, she was. I remember seeing that. Who? Nurse somebody. Yeah. With Major Barrett? No. Uh, um, Diane... Dr. Pulaski. Pulaski. Oh, Di- okay. Diana Muldar. Yeah. I, I forgot. Only an episode or two, nothing mm-hmm. long term. And you guys are going to laugh. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm missing all this. I'm mm. actually going through making sure my picks of the top five are okay. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry, I've just no, been no, no, zoning out, reading up. I'm sorry. No, 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 you're good. You're, you're good. good. All right, making, guys. making some last minute changes there. I, you know what? I seriously have been watching this show. The only thing I've watched, brushing mm-hmm. my teeth, mm-hmm. doing everything, eating, going to bed, the mm-hmm. whole thing. I've been reading, eating, sleeping, this show. Mm-hmm. And I'm not stopping anytime <laughs> soon. So I'm sorry, guys. I'm a little, you know. Do you just, so when your wife asks you to do something or the kids ask you if they can do something, you're just sitting there and you're like, make it so. Yeah, that's right. That's what I say. I keep it covered for family time, but, you yeah. know. Would you like pasta for dinner? Engage. Yes, that's right, man. <laughs> Daddy, can we do it? Yes. Okay, so I'm okay. back. I'm back. Dr. Pulaski, oh, no. yeah. original series. I'm yes, I guess okay. she was in the real, original series. I didn't know that. I, actually, I did know that. I saw that somewhere, All but right. I couldn't remember what character she was. Um, Michelle Forbes played Ensign Roe Laren, and she was in Battlestar Galactica, the remake, in 24 and True Blood. Uh, Rosalind Chow played Keiko O'Brien. She was in What Dreams May Come, I Am Sam, and Freaky Friday. And finally, John Delancey played Q. He was in The Hand That Rocks the Cradle, Breaking Bad, and My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. Uh, awards for this one, the they won the Primetime Emmy for Outstanding Drama Series, 19 Emmy Awards, two Hugo Awards, five Saturn Awards, and one Peabody Awards. Just a couple little, they did all right. couple little statues here and there. Uh, the summary. This is the only way we can do the summary for this one. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. (laughs) 
so a couple of little background background things here, and, and we'll get into more stuff as we talk about individual episodes and things like that, but uh, some quick background. The first episode is supposed to take place in the year 2364, 100 years after the start of the five-year mission described in the original series, which is supposed to take place in 2264. There were original plans for a second Trek series in 1977 before they switched gears and opted for the film series instead. Some little things called Star Wars might have messed that up for them. Uh, when the salaries of Shatner and Nimoy were getting to be a little bit too high for the movies, uh, Paramount decided that they were going to start planning for a new TV series with relatively unknown and therefore much cheaper actors. Uh, many writers came and went during the first season, and it looks that way, uh, mostly due to conflicts with Gene Roddenberry. They felt that his constraints for the show and how it should be run and how the characters should interact was kind of weakening the storylines. They felt maybe it was a little too preachy um, and that the potential for character development was just not there. So several episodes within season one were actually rehashes of script ideas from the abandoned Star Trek Phase 2 that they had planned to do in 1977. Uh, last thing I've got is the show was canceled after season seven, even though the actors were all contracted for eight seasons. Uh, Paramount wanted to make Next Generation movies, which they believed wouldn't be as successful if the show was still airing, and they wanted to move viewers over to watch Deep Space Nine and Voyager, which were cheaper to make than Next Generation was. So, so that's all I got for background stuff. So we're we're gonna start getting into like favorite things here. Are you are you still are not? You, are you ready? <laughs> I, I'm ready, but I'm still not all the way there on Jellico. Just okay. saying. <laughs> I'm just I'm not buying. I'm not buying that. That's fine. I'm just saying. I'm not saying I like the guy. No, I'm not. I'm not arguing against he's, you. He's, he's efficient, but he's not even in my list. But is he efficient? Well, actually, well, probably not. Is he efficient? He's just kind of a jerk. Yeah, I mean, is that? I mean, I guess he could be efficient. And, and he I'm came. Just... He came in. He got the job done. Yeah. And when he stared down that card, now he screwed up once because he waited too long in one case. Yeah. But then when he stared down that Cardassian, you really thought he was going to start shooting. I don't know that I would have believed that. Picard would have started shooting. Well, you know, I mean, I'm just going to reference, remember when they were escaping from the Gilem and he kept the auto-destruct on until like the last five seconds or something mm -hmm. like that? And Crusher said, wow, he really bluffed him good. And Riker said, was he bluffing? And they weren't sure and all that kind of stuff. So I I don't know. Now, again... But by the time you get to... They softened Picard a little bit. To yeah, the, by the time you mm -hmm. get to that, by the time you get to season six, you've got fluffy Picard. <laughs> yeah, I, I get it. I, I just, I think it just seems a little too superficial to say, oh, well, he's tougher, so he's the military guy. And I shy, mm. I, I, I shy away from over-comparison of mm. sci-fi and TV with sure. realistic military and all that. But mm. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think it was interesting, and I think it introduces the a good argument into it. But he never... Never brought the crew around. Like, it, it never... And he was temporary anyway. But he didn't have to. He came in, he did a job, he did it all right, and he left. Yeah, yeah. And that works when you got the writers on your side, and they well, write yeah. the show mm -hmm. that way. But it's like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not convinced. Okay. I'm not convinced. All right. I'm just saying. I'm going to throw off the order that we've got here. Because <laughs> we're jumping to season six characters? Well, I'm no, sorry. I mean, no, no, no. I, I'm, I'm going to leave. We're, we're going to... Tease some stuff here, and we'll leave like favorite oh. uh, favorite episodes and Sounds stuff like, like that. Sounds like weaving a tapestry of yeah, story yeah. Okay. over here. Oh, I see what you did there. Tapestry with all the dressed up it's for a, 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 oh, a Betazoid wedding. Oh man, you? it's gonna be a <laughs> <laughs> oh the innuendos, the innuendos. 
Oh, dear I Lord. finally get to do it and people get me. You know, it's, it's, that's just not appropriate. Oh. oh God. Maybe we should have done the podcast. No one needs to see that. <laughs> like a pitazoid wedding. No. No. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, John, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I'm back. No. I'm good. The innuendos. Was that, like, did they have their own planet? They did. In Star Trek? The it's innuendos. Like the innuendos. You know, it's right special. next to the Edo. Yeah. Call sign was, hey, hey, hey. Okay. <laughs> and, and Kevin Oaks Bridge. Mm, giggity. <laughs> the USS Giggity. Oh. All right. It's the Giggity Giggity to you. Oh, that's true. Um, they just had to shorten it. So. <clears throat> Uh, all right, so let's start with, because uh, we're going to leave some of that like favorite episode stuff for just mm-hmm. a little bit here. Let's start with, um, let's go favorite characters. So we did we did some top five lists. There were some things that we couldn't do like top five of, but we did some top five lists, and some of our top five things were like top five characters, top five alien races, uh, top five ships, stuff like that. So let's we'll start with some of those. We'll leave favorite episode and things like that towards the end. But. Let's give John a shout, uh, shout out that... Uh you stuck to the top five lists. I did. Yeah, I, did. I want now, to know who number six is because I know he's got one. Yeah. I well, I will specify that there are a couple of things like in top, like favorite. Where was it? Uh, top five episodes. I did pick some that were like two parters. Oh, and, and oh, yeah, that's, that's that's allowed in this case. Cause... And, I, and I have one that I'm going to consider a three parter, even though. Most people just think of it as a two-parter, mm. and, I, and I'll explain I why. I think I know where he's going with this. Mike, okay. uh, and I'm totally digressing. My no, brother claimed he saw um, the, the the Borg one, where Picard is... Uh, Best, yeah. of Best, Best of both worlds. Best of both Then he saw that cut, re-edited, and turned into a movie? Yes. Mm-hmm. Have you? Okay. Fathom Events did a thing three years ago... No, maybe it was five years ago. It was probably for the 25th anniversary. Did that they make edit sense. it? Did they edit three episodes together or they two? Did not. Okay, that's where my argument comes in. Yeah, see, I think that's a stretch. I've heard the argument before. I'm mm-hmm. not sure I agree. The one where Q shoots him into the. No, no. I think. Okay, we'll jump ahead. To okay, that. sorry. Okay. So I don't want to. No, no, I don't want to. But no, anyways, no. I heard that was cool. I'll, I'll, I'll just I'll tease this <clears> and we'll come back and talk about it later. Okay. I think my opinion is that Best of Both Worlds is a three part because you didn't really have like season long arcs and you didn't really. Like, back then, they didn't do that as much in TV shows. So. I am of the opinion that Best of Both Worlds starts at the end of season, what was it, season three. Mm-hmm. Um, you have part two at the beginning of season four. And then Family yes. that comes after that. To me, that's a three-parter. Yeah, I get it. Now, I can see where you'd say no, because you've got all the action in parts one and part two. And then it's kind and of a... really maybe kind of the a, action in part two. Right, you have most of the action in part two. And then if that was the case, then I guess part three would kind of be a letdown. Like, you would never do... You'd never do a movie that way, where like you get all of it done in the middle, and then the last hour is yeah. exposition and story right. and that kind of stuff. But I, I just kind of when I watch those, I watch all three of those together. What it definitely has an arc to it. What a great yeah, episode, yeah. Family. Because he doesn't like he doesn't finish dealing with his Borg stuff until the end of that Family yeah. episode. So that's my argument. But if you want me to take that, he doesn't deal with all his Borg stuff until First Contact. Well, that's true. That's true. And even then. So, but I just feel like that's more of a yeah. more of a continuous yeah. story in those. But you were grouping the two together, so it made me think of that. So I group. Which so I would like to see that. Re- it was awesome. Mm-hmm. I went to the Randhurst AMC at the time. Um, and how did they edit it differently? Because it's just I mean, just other than just other than just spaces. showing other than just showing they didn't change one much. and two back to back. They didn't change much. There's some weird like if you just watch them back to back, I think there's some weirdness at the join 
okay. that they could take out and weave in. They didn't do much to it. Okay. But, but it was okay. but it was cool. Right. It was right after the HD remasters, I think, had finished. Okay. And they rolled it out. It was it was really cool. Okay. I, lo- I, I had a lot of fun with it. I was actually kind of bummed because they had done a couple others. Um, they were doing it on the 25th. You know, twenty fifth anniversary of season one, mm-hmm. season two, season three, season four. Um, and for three four, they did Best of Both Worlds. I was okay. hoping they were going to continue and do something from five, six, mm-hmm. and seven, and they didn't. It was too no. bad. All right, so let's jump into. So we'll go back to like favorite episodes, stuff like that. So let's jump into top five characters. And we did. We really did try to stick to our top five lists here, and and I really tried to stick to. I mean, let's be honest. I tried to stick to my Not surprisingly, list. there are similarities between mm-hmm. three lists. So let's do, I, let's just, we'll read off our lists. So each of us can read off our list, and um, we'll, we'll start with you, Bo. We'll just read off our list, and then after we've read off all three of our lists, then we'll go through and talk about them. So, Bo, what was your, are, are these your top five in order? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It, some of mine aren't in order, but this one definitely is. Okay. Um, Riker, Picard, Data, Q, and Guinan. Okay. I have uh, Worf, Data, Picard, Riker, and Q. Okay. Worf, Picard, Guinan, O'Brien, and Rogadanar. Okay. My chair is really squeaking. I'm sorry. If that can be picked up, I don't want to annoy that fan. He's just going to keep rocking. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay, here's what I'm going to say. I miss my old chair. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my. Uh Uh-oh. <clears throat> what is that? Beeping all over the place. What? What is that? You have a pocket pager. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is it? I told you not to disturb me. All right. I've been waiting for this episode. I know. <laughs> I can't wait till we get to talk about this. I can't wait. To... All right. Okay. So. Um, so we got our characters. So we got some. We got some similarities there. So what? Um, Bo, you listed Riker as number one. Yeah. Why do you list Riker as number one? Why is he your favorite? <sighs> He's. And what's your favorite season for Riker? Oh. Is it bearded Riker or non-bearded Riker? No, it's got to be bearded Riker. Okay. It's got to be after he went to the back zip newer uniform. Um, so you got to be season three or beyond. Right. He just is so good at what he does. Like, and they all are because they're this is the flagship and all that. But he is the quintessential operational leader. Picard is great. He's a diplomat. He's a great captain and all that. But what I love about Riker is you get these weird windows into the minutia of running a starship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You see his interactions with Geordi and his interactions with Worf. And mm-hmm. Whether they wrote it this way or whether it just sort of evolved that way, Picard is sort of distant from all of the day-to-day stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's why I like him so much. In, you know, not to mention he's he didn't play cards with him until all the things. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. He's not playing cards with everybody, so you don't get the fun of that. Mm-hmm. And as horrible as it sounds, like the shtick about the captain doesn't go down on the way missions and stuff. Yeah. It took a little away from Picard when it was all said and done. Mm-hmm. You weren't you gotta, a fan of that. No, you gotta mix it up a little bit. You know, you gotta throw an elbow into a Gorn once in a while. You know, it's just something no, you gotta I do. Get it. Mm-hmm. Well, he did get down there with the Iconians. He did. He did well, yeah, because he, you know. Archaeology guy and all that. Speaking yeah. of getting down there with the Speaking Iconians. Speaking of getting down, Bo, I, I apologize. I was kind of interrupting your no, Riker monologue. We somebody just, just, somebody just, somebody just beamed, beamed in. in. <laughs> wow. Sup? It's a tall, goonish-looking alien. 
Live long and prosper. Do you have to get in here? Yeah, pretty much. Um, <clears throat> the running of the ship. I think that was the point you were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just, and, and not to mention he's the cool kid. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. Who's smoother than William T. Riker, just with everybody. Mm-hmm. Like, well, because he's, I mean, yeah. he's, he's like the Kirk. Right. He's yeah. just he's the, so he's the Kirk smooth. Of the series. Well, and I think. And he's good at everything. He's a good pilot. He's, he's, he's a like good Kirk jazz a, musician. He's, yeah. you know, he's, come on. He's Kirk with a little, a little he, more smoothness and yeah. a little less sexual harassment. A little more brains. <laughs> yeah. You know? Out of the yeah. 60s. Now, did you make your point? You were saying that, you know, it lost a little bit. Picard was so distant, he wouldn't mm-hmm. be down at all. Was that the point that it was just... Yeah, that it was just, he wasn't involved in the action, you know? Yeah. He he was an amazing diplomat, and he could bluff, you know, he could bluff a Klingon out of his, out of his you know, gawk, but Riker was the man. That's that what, episode where he goes on the Klingon ship and just, yeah. just like kicks his ass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah. It's cool stuff. Well, yeah. and that's what makes that one, you know, the... Oh, that's why the Jellicoe thing. Interesting that when they picked Picard as the one that was supposed to be going undercover. Well, there was a reason though, because it was about the particle. Well, no, it was about the reason they set the trap for him. They set the trap for Picard. The particle that they were emitting was somehow something he knew more about than anyone else. Yeah, MacGuffin, MacGuffin alert. And Mm -hmm. I want to say too that the cool thing in rewatching a lot of these is that seeing the two of them play off of each other Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. work so well together. And there's the breakdown and all this kind of thing. And it's interesting because I remember as a kid, one of the reoccurring themes was, oh, when is he going to get his own ship? And Mm -hmm. he's just not ready to step up to the big chair and all this kind of stuff. But then in retrospect, when you watch it... And Commander Shelby shows up. Yeah, and that gets all awkward. But but here's the thing about that. In rewatching it, you get thinking, if this ship is supposed to be out in the unknown for Mm -hmm. as long as it is, and for how many times the captain gets separated from the ship or put down or whatever, that you... You don't necessarily want someone that's an inexperienced officer mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in charge. And, you know, even if you look at, you know, in the real world, you know, with navies and all that, many times the big ships, they'll have, like, the executive officer is a full-rank captain. Mm-hmm. And it just can hand off back and forth. And so in rewatching it, I don't want to say that it kind of weakened that plot thread where they were just like, oh, well, he's showing weakness by not moving on. It was kind of like... But it kind of weakened that plot thread because it was like, well, no, well, how many times he's been the one that's had to you step would up want and run someone the like that. Yeah. yeah, and you know, you mentioned like Commander Shelby, but she didn't have an experience. No. And supposedly, it, it, with the first season, when Riker came to the Enterprise, he wasn't inexperienced. He was supposed to be a really experienced. They were. Mm-hmm. His goal was to be the youngest captain in Starfleet. Yeah. So beating only the infamous James Tiberius Kirk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a so yeah, man, cool character. Yeah, without a doubt. All right, so Pat, you and I both pick Worf as yeah. our favorite character. So I'm curious to hear why. I'm not why a is... merry man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a great quote. Perhaps it is a good day to die. That's right. Well, so it's why? Why is Worf your favorite? Well, I think it was cool because you know the character arc, and I'm going to borrow from the Deep Space Nine thing. But I mean, the character arc is he started as basically you know what all the track fans would say. Oh my gosh. They but one of the bad guys mm-hmm. that were supposed to be animalistic and brutal and all this kind of stuff, they put him on the good the good team. Mm-hmm. And suddenly he couldn't just they couldn't just be growling and picking fights and, you know, always the bad guys. You had to see that. And in the beginning, he was just kind of it was kind of the stereotypical. He was always the one that said, let's shoot first and ask mm-hmm. questions later, or yelling or all that kind of thing. But then as they developed that character, they also kind of developed that whole Klingon culture and, mm-hmm. and, and kind of explored that culture more. And you had a lot of different plot points that could spin off of that. 
you know. And, and I, he, and when he started, he wasn't even like he wasn't head of security. No, he was just the brawn. Yeah, he was the brute squad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the red shirt that like didn't right. get killed. Right. Um. So I like that. And then you know, it was, it, you know, obviously he was rash, and there would be things that he'd do that you know, not cool, and mm-hmm. you know they. But then there were times that you know he did show a, 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 an honor, and he did show the ability to make the right decision, and. He's really a guy that's, you know, just completely separated from his culture and living in a culture that doesn't mm-hmm. fully accept him. And and I find that, and they and in Deep Space Nine, like the entire crew, the entire station is made up of people that are kind of living in that world, which is kind of what's mm-hmm. cool about that show and why he fits in so well. But in this, he's unique to that, you know, and I, I just really think it's cool when he's able to... You know, everything he's always wanted is to be a part of that, that Klingon culture, but then when he has to say no, or that's not the right call, or I go my own way. I just always thought that that was, that that was pretty cool, you know, yeah. that he would go his own way and so on. Yeah. You've basically stolen everything I was going to say. Are you serious? Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> no, and that's, and that's why I liked him, is because I, I always liked, I, he and Data I had listed as my top two of my favorites because I always felt they were very similar to right. each other. Like, but in, in very different ways, because Data is always trying to be more human, and Worf is always trying to be more Klingon, mm-hmm. even though he's still got to balance that with his human side and the fact that he was... I, I love those episodes when his adoptive parents show up, yeah. and, and he's got to deal with, you know, it's it's like any other kid when you've got parents that kind of embarrass you a little bit, and you've got to deal with them, and you know, you know how you were as a child and how you are with your family at home, but then they show up for a visit, and it's like... Um, dad, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you've got the whole thing of he's a totally different race, a totally different alien to his parents, and you've got that whole dynamic going on. Um, I really liked, like you said, I really liked when they were able to bring in more of the Klingon culture stuff. When they, uh, I was just rewatching the other day the Sins of the Father mm-hmm. episode, and that actually is one of the ones I think on my on my top list um, was the one where they put him on trial or, or he answers the challenge, mm-hmm. you know, when they accuse his father of being a traitor and they assume that because he's grown up and he works in the Federation, they're assuming, well, he's, he's not going to answer this challenge. So we're going to accuse his father of being a traitor, even though we know his father wasn't the traitor. It was actually yeah. this other guy's father. Um, <clears throat> and then Worf finds out he's got a brother and then he and his brother go and they answer this challenge. And, and I liked that episode because that was some of the stuff I really enjoyed about him, that he was almost more Klingon than any other Klingon. Mm-hmm. Because if the Klingons are all about honor, if the Klingons are all about loyalty and all this other right. stuff, you see the rest of the Klingons on their home world, and they're deceiving each other, and they're you know, you know backstabbing each other, and right. all this other stuff that's not honorable. And yet Worf, at the end of that, in that episode, is like, you know what? If it saves my people, and if it saves us from going into a civil war, yeah. then I will allow you to ostracize me, and I will allow you to call my father a traitor, and I will take that upon myself and my future children and grandchildren and everything else to the seventh generation. I will take that if it's if it saves the Klingon race, whereas the rest of them have no honor at all. Yeah. And I, I love the end of that episode where <clears throat> he just he stares down the other guy and he goes, you are the son of a traitor. It just smacks him across the face. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's that's the kind of stuff I like. Like, those are the Worf stories I like, where Worf, you know, people always pick on him for not being enough Klingon. I'm like, 
dude's more Klingon than any other Klingon that's around. Well, and I think in Deep Space Nine, they actually say that at the end of that entire mm-hmm. show, he's sitting there talking to uh, uh, <clears throat> Esri Dax, and he, he says, you know what, i got to be honest with you, the Klingon Empire has to die. Because, mm-hmm. And of all the things you just mm-hmm. said, I mean, it, it, why has no one seen this yet? They're all right. a bunch of, you know. Right. There's an interesting fan theory that I've come across over the years where the Klingon, the biggest, the problem that the Klingons have is they're what, they're what's called an uplift society. Mm-hmm. That they didn't develop all this technology on their own. It was given mm-hmm. to them. It was given to them. Or dropped yeah. on them. And so they didn't evolve with the technology and their ways and their culture didn't evolve mm-hmm. properly, for lack of a better they just, term. They got it through conquest. Well, a little. Mm-hmm. To the point where <laughs> it just messes with the natural evolution of things. So their mm-hmm. culture didn't evolve to mm-hmm. the point where you can interact on a galactic level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, now, you well, so we had, I didn't list, I think mine were pretty much along the lines of some of the major characters. Mm-hmm. Q thrown in there as well. Q is awesome. Um, <clears throat> Q is awesome. Um, you two guys mentioned Guinan. Why did Guinan make it to your top five? She's... Too cool. Other than everywhere should have a 10 forward. but Well, yes. Mm-hmm. Everywhere should have a 10 forward, but she is just... She, the way she knows what's about to happen, but doesn't. Mm-hmm. And doesn't I was throw like it in my, your face. Mysteriousness of her. Mm-hmm. I was like, does she have psychic powers? Or does she have... I mean, what... And, and, and she's... Yeah. Even she... <clears throat> At least the way she plays it is even she doesn't really 100% know what's wrong. Mm-hmm. Yesterday's Enterprise. Yeah. This she's isn't like, right. She's like, I just have a feeling. I don't know what's wrong. Mm-hmm. This isn't right and you shouldn't be here. Right. And just the way mm-hmm. they wrote that character and the way it was too bad they couldn't use her more. And it's a shame the way they did use her sometimes. Mm-hmm. Because there were times when, from what I've been able to discern... There were times when Whoopi would be available, mm-hmm. so they'd use her. Mm-hmm. But maybe they shouldn't have, right? Because it didn't really serve the plot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, didn't like you didn't like the times. You didn't like the times that she teamed up with uh, Samuel Clemens. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> that whole episode. Was weird. Yeah, but it was, was great that, to see that, that Guinan uh, Picard origin story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, was that which was time cool. zero. Time zero. Yeah. yeah. Which, it's funny, Time Zero is one of those, it's a guilty pleasure episode for me. Mm-hmm. I can't say it's it, a favorite it, it of mine because yeah, it's It doesn't not, make it to any of my top five lists, it's but I've seen it. actually rather rough when you rewatch it. Oh, yeah. Um, but it's definitely a guilty pleasure. The, the, the guy who does Mark Twain's a little rough to mm-hmm. watch. Um, but, it's, but it's still good, you know? It, it's still really good. Yeah. It's one of those episodes where the characters are almost more caricatures than they are characters. And that's when it gets a little... The the times that we can talk about this when we talk about our worst five episodes, but um, there are times where the characters are more caricatures mm-hmm. and there's times where the show gets a little preachy. Yeah. Well, and, Star Trek you know, is kind of preachy. Star, Star Trek's preachy anyway, I mean, but like it's... Let that be your last battlefield? Well, right. Oh. But, you know, I mean, sometimes like, a little more than others. That's preaching from way back. <clears throat> right. Right. So, uh, and Pat, you listed Roga Danar. You also yeah. listed um, Chief O'Brien, and he didn't get listed anywhere else, too. So what's... Uh, yes. Chief is awesome. He's, yeah. he's top ten for sure. And, and I, I I, feel horrible for forgetting this. I was going to bring awesome. this with me so that you could see this. 
I was at Half Price Books a couple weeks ago, and I originally got it. I told Sharon, I was like, I'm going to either give this to Pat or Bo, because I think they'd really appreciate it. And then when I started to look at it, I'm like, I'm going to keep this. <laughs> thanks, <laughs> thanks, John. But I'm going to show it to Pat and Bo. <laughs> and then I forgot to bring it to show it to you. Yeah. Um, there is, I guess it's a web comic. Now, what I found at Half Price Books, it was in the clearance section, so it was only like $2. But it's this huge, oversized, almost it feels like it's like 11 by 17 paper. And it's a web comic called Chief O'Brien at Work. Yes. It it's is awesome. hilarious. Cool. It's just, and sometimes it's, it's the exact awesome. same panel of him standing at the, I think the first three pages, there's no dialogue. There's mm-hmm. no nothing. It's the same panel of him standing at the, at the display in the transporter room. And that's it. Yeah. And he's just standing there waiting. And some of the comic, it's like, you'll, there'll be several panels of just that. And then all of a sudden, you know, Picard will call down and be like, Chief O'Brien, transport us directly to the bridge. He's like, are you sure you don't want to transport to the transporter room? And they're like, no, directly to the bridge will be fine. I'm like, well, I mean, but you could come down here and then walk to the bridge. I mean, it's kind of, I'd like to see you guys. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So I'll bring that in. You guys can see that sometime. But I did, awesome. in, in full disclosure, I did buy it. And I, I first held on to it. And Sharon's like, oh, what's that? And I was like, well, it's a Star Trek thing. And, you know, I'm more of a Star Wars guy than Star Trek. So this is really kind of funny. I'll, I'll give it to Bo or I'll give it to Pat or... And then I started looking at it and I'm like, nah, this is good. I'm going to keep I'm this, but keep I'll this show Pat and I'll show Bo. Right? Well, time share it. It's $2, so I'll show it to you guys. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so you had Chief O'Brien and you yeah. had Roga Danar. So yeah, so in answer to your question, so I cheated with the list. I mean, it's like a wedding, okay? So you you, you know, cheat you cheat at weddings? I cheat, I cheat at <laughs> what, weddings. What are you trying to say? <laughs> wow. It's like a bait. Bait is Well, it's easier at those. <laughs> just kind of bump into people you don't know. <laughs> Maybe some you do. The um, <laughs> one slow dance and you're all friends. <laughs> <laughs> so oh it's um, basically what I did is you know like the joke about would you what, call that the naked now? I would <laughs> <laughs> naked right now. Naked then That's the um, bad well you know like there's a wedding that you you mm-hmm. know okay I can only invite so many people. Right, but then if you invite like a couple more people, that introduces a new tier of people. So then right. you got to invite. I can't invite these two people without inviting another mm-hmm. twenty people. Oh yeah, and so on. So well, that's I, what I, I, I married an Italian. I know how that works. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. If okay. this person's still alive, these fifty people need to be invited. Exactly. <laughs> Otherwise, we don't yeah. invite that one person. Right. So that's what I kind of did with my list. Is I picked. Okay, I can't narrow it down to five of the top favorite mm-hmm. characters. I mean, writer would be on there. Data would be on there. Right. I mean, all the guys would be right. on there. So I had to pick like my top two, mm-hmm. and then I went to okay, who are like somewhat regular characters, second tier characters, second tier characters, special guest stars, and then know. who's like a one-off guy, and yeah. then that's how I came mm-hmm. up with the rest. Okay. So I kind of cheated on that on okay. my list, but yeah, Chief, so, o- Chief O'Brien yeah. is just cool. I mean, you know, and I'm trying to not be like know what happens with him in Deep Space Nine, mm-hmm. but I think it's cool because you know he's kind of the worker guy. You know, he's the guy that's always like opening up the panels to get things done. He always has stuff all figured out. He's always he kind of has the gruff voice. What's I? Is it how do you pronounce his name? Colm? Colm Meany. Colm Meany. He was awesome in the um, the commitments. He's been mm-hmm. awesome in everything I've seen him in, mm-hmm. and he just. Do you ever watch Hell on Wheels? I have not. Okay. Is he, For the he, longest time, he was like the stock Irish mobster character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He showed up in so much, like yeah. sometimes, sometimes just to get killed. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. And, but he would just be there. And he mm-hmm. could bring that, like, even to this role, like, sometimes, and that's kind of why I liked Whoopi Goldberg as Guinan, I, but, but she was an alien. Mm-hmm. So there was a natural mysteriousness and all that kind of stuff for her. Mm-hmm. But 
But sometimes you get wrapped up in the, okay, all the weird, you know, things and the high food. Yeah. He just seemed like a regular guy. Yeah. Like that role, he could have been in a drama on mm-hmm. the regular he's, series. He's great. If you like westerns, watch yeah. Hell on Wheels. Okay. Because he's, that's, it's the building of the railroad. Right. Across, okay. across the okay. U.S. And I think Union Pacific, I think was, he was the head of the Union Pacific. And so he's the one that's driving the whole thing. Yeah. And he's kind of a horrible guy. Yeah. In that, I mean, there are times where he's sympathetic, but for the most part, he's a really horrible guy, and yeah. you find out more about him. But yeah, I, I've got, I, everything I've seen him in, I've always liked him. And honestly, when the times that you need just regular guy dialogue, mm-hmm. like the times that he's talking to his wife or mm-hmm. talking to a bike, it's him. It's that mm-hmm. character. None of the other people really pull off regular. Like mm-hmm. Picard can pull off the preachy professor kind of thing. Riker can pull off the. And you don't see well. You don't see too many other characters that are married. Right. So I, I really Although some of the stuff. With the two of them early on, oh, yeah. oh god! Well, you know, there's some there's some clunker stuff. That was there. rough. Yeah, yeah, that was. Um, but I I really I, I I dug it. And one of my favorite episodes was the wounded, and he mm-hmm. played a big role in it. Mm-hmm. And then as far as Rogadanar, I mean, dude, that guy's a stallion. That is awesome. You know, when they go pick that guy up, and he's like fooling them and all that, and then he jumps off the pad and he throws this guy against the wall, and this guy gets chucked against the wall. He gets mm-hmm. shot, and it doesn't phase him. And, uh, you know... Is that the more security one? That's the more security yeah. clip. Yeah, that's the, you know, where they just cannot stop this guy. Mm-hmm. And then, like, that whole episode is him just confounding them in the ship. And I, even as a kid, I'm like, dude, that is wicked awesome. And then it's just like, wait, are they going to catch him? No, he just put a bomb there and he blew up half the ship. And, you know, it's it was... Uh, uh, it's a little bit like Khan in the original. Yeah. In the original series. Yeah. But he was, a tor- he, was, he was a good person. And he's just like, I'm... Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm programmed to do this, and so I just found that whole the character fast. And so that was like my bit character one off that you know would have been cool if they could have just brought him with. Mm-hmm. You know, they could have just let him loose on the Borg cube. Mm-hmm. There you go. Like that guy could have taken down the Borg and like yeah, he season. Mm-hmm. You didn't need to infect Hugh with the disease or whatever the heck it was. Just let that guy loose. So. All right. Well, speaking of the Borg, should we go on to our top five aliens? Yeah, man. Speaking of the work, keep talking. Anyway, <laughs> keep talking. Oh wow! <laughs> um, he's just lying. I like to, he's lying in wait. Thing, but while I'm in here for a second, because we're yeah. finishing one game, well, introducing. I, no, I was just thinking of this. I'm like the air dates for this for what you're talking about. The mm-hmm. next generation series was from what to what? Eighty-seven to ninety. So that put you. You said at like six, six to what's the youngest? What thirteen? Six to thirteen range. I would have been. Yeah, I would have been six. Wow. So now here's my question. I probably didn't start watching it until I was about eight or nine. Okay. We watched this the day it came out. My dad was a big Star Trek fan. I remember remember watching the trailer before Star Trek IV and being super geeked up for this thing. Seven. So I was 16. Mm-hmm. See, that's it. You were 16, too old. Was too, you were hanging out, you, you were too cool. doing high school things. It was <laughs> days that you used. You know what kind of high school he went to? Just so we're <laughs> I remember. That's when I was in my room crying a lot, listening, <laughs> listening to the Cure album. I was like, angsty music and uh, black lights, right? Dennis, Dennis predated grunge a couple of years, man. <laughs> I was praying for puberty. Anyway, so... <laughs> I'm still waiting for it. I'm still waiting for it. Anyway, um, so no, I was just interested. Now, okay, so did you watch the old ones first and then this one? Or was this your first Star Trek experience? You went back and back catalog the old ones. I probably would have seen some old ones on like 
Nickelodeon first. Yeah. I, I, well, new... I would have seen the movies first. I was just going to say, okay. at this point, I've seen... Because my dad loved exactly. Wrath of Khan. I've yes, seen the Wrath first Khan. We, would, we would watch that over yeah. and over. And I think, I don't know if he just loved to torment me. He loved the whole scene with <laughs> yes. the things going in the ears. Oh, and yeah, the, yeah, yeah. We, yes. as a little kid, we watched Wrath of Khan over and over and okay, over again. Okay, so you saw the and movies And so I saw the movies first, first that's, right. That's interesting. And then I think I probably would have seen some of the original series after that. Some reruns on cable somewhere. And I remember this being on... But I don't remember really watching it when it first started. It was mostly probably like Saturday afternoon reruns mm. when I was about probably about nine, eight or nine. So it would have been a couple years into it, and they probably were rerunning some of the earlier mm. stuff. And I was young enough to not realize how bad the first couple seasons were. And I probably didn't see the first couple seasons. I mean, I, I literally <laughs> at the time remember thinking, this is awesome. Mm. And now I'm like, oh. Yeah, well, See, and I wonder if, because I always think back, like, I know my brother just absorbed it and loved it and loved, I don't know, I don't know which one he loved more, but I think he, and he was pretty equal across the board with all of these, like, he had everything from all these series, from all this, you know, the, the, the series. Um, I wonder if it's because, you know, like, you had, for us, it was Star Trek was Shatner, Spock, mm-hmm. you know, like, we knew all those yeah. episodes and watched them all. So then you're older, and all of a sudden, oh, we're coming up with the next generation. You're a little more skeptical, mm-hmm. like oh, you can't top Shatner, and you right. can't top the old stuff, and you know. And I wonder, and not, and I don't remember having that necessarily a negative attitude towards it, but I wonder if that like is what didn't mm-hmm. allow me to where were you guys? You're still young enough that this is new and it's exciting right. for you. You know what I'm right. saying? You don't have the old one to go, hey, it's, it's not the old. Right. It's like you know, this isn't the movie show. stuff. I, exactly. So I wonder if that because I remember I remember Goldberg. I remember the board. Mm-hmm. I remember like yeah. so. I remember seeing yeah, enough yeah. of them. Mm-hmm. And I remember kind of following it for a certain period of time, and it was just like you said—you know, you're playing baseball, you're doing all this mm-hmm. stuff. At that point, you're just—you're just now you're drinking out of high school and everything. So. And I can kind of remember I didn't watch it regularly as a young kid. So even when I did watch it on occasion, when I was like eight, nine years old, I wasn't watching it every week. I wasn't watching every new episode. I remember, in fact, I kind of remember a couple times around age maybe eleven or twelve. We went to go stay at my grandparents' house, and they live out in the country. There's not a whole lot of other stuff to do, especially when you can't drive anywhere, but they did have a nice TV. And I probably remember either late at night or on a Saturday or something like that, they probably were running like a two- or three-hour marathon of it at night, and that's probably because I do remember a couple of the very first episodes I ever saw were much further into the show. They were like fifth season into the show, and that's when I really... Saw it, and I was like, crap, this is good. I want to go find the rest of these. And so then every time, like, I'd pop in a VHS tape, and I'd start recording them every time I saw them. Once in a while, stumble upon a clunker and be like, "Eh." Right. And I was like, well, we can can skip that one. Just the way we do TV and the way Mm -hmm. series like that is, like, part of it, you know, like, you don't, like, I I eventually will will be able to go, and if I wanted to watch Game of Thrones, get all those and Mm -hmm. list through them in a season and catch up. With that, it was on TV, and if you missed it, you missed it. You right. had to wait for a rerun mm-hmm. at the end. The, of the, you didn't have the, the difference same of Next Generation is the way it was sold wasn't sold. A uh, network wasn't running the show; they ran it as a syndic direct to syndication show. So the interesting thing about it is it wasn't on only once a week. Oh, they did play it multiple times because it was on like it was on weird networks like and around that's probably here. Why I saw it so much. Around oh, here, it was okay. on uh, it was on WPWR. Like it was on, like, yeah, yeah, it was on a network that didn't have like UPN. Right, it didn't have a full slate of programming, so yeah, they were okay. like, "Well, we own the rights to show yeah. this. Mm-hmm. What's a good show?" Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I vaguely remember like what? we could we'd catch something at you know we're staying up late because 
mom and dad are out, the babysitter's we're, we're over or whatever, right. and look what's on. Oh, yeah. cool. Let's watch well, this. And, and sometimes you get the channels that would do like, here's one episode of the original series, and now here's right? one episode of Next Generation, and they do them kind of I back even to think, back. and don't quote me on this, yeah. uh, I, have to, I should ask my brother this today. I think they had an afternoon slot mm-hmm. that they were showing these. Because I have a weird memory of coming like coming home after home, school and school. yeah, well even and, during summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and because yeah. we were latchkey kids mm-hmm. for years, I mean, we, we lived really close to our grandparents, like in the same condo building. We weren't really you know supervised, but not really. Um, so we'd get home and yeah. turn on the TV, and it was you know I, depending on the the year, it was this or. Ducktails, or you know, whatever mm-hmm. it was, but that was the thing. You run home, you turn it on, and yeah, look what's on. I think sometimes that's the hard part of it is too that you're you're catching all these different shows that are here. Mm-hmm. And I remember vaguely thinking back, like another feeling that I think I had was I always felt like somehow as it went on, I felt more lost because oh, I wasn't yeah. seeing them in well, sequence. Mm-hmm. And when you start seeing this one, you're like, I don't know. What's going well, on. and the thing about early on, you didn't need to see it. Early on, you didn't need to. But as you there went were no on. story arcs. But that's when yeah, barely, that's when TV started. They barely referenced like, right. oh, what do you mean we blew up last week? <laughs> it doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. yeah. But that was like your last. Everything's fine. Your last few seasons was when they started to because at that point TV shows didn't really they didn't do story arcs. Well, especially when sold more the syndication, because right. you never really knew what order. I mean, right. you had no control over how it was shown. Did that actually last seven, seven. So, yeah. see, the last few you said it started to get where you need to know more, right? Yeah, and see, and that's probably I would say about right. And well, three I think the into first season two or four, because they were because then at that point, the last couple of years, they were also doing Deep Space Nine and they were doing Voyager. Space Nine came so then you're like building more of a you know with Marvel and all this that you're building a universe where mm-hmm. you might want Branch this up. to tie into this and. We're going to have a story that starts here with these kind of a terrorists, and we're going to introduce the Bajorans and the Cardassians, and they're going to show up later in this show. So we're going to kind of keep some continuity going here. And but yeah, that was more probably the last. That sounds think, about two right seasons? because I probably think like the first few, like I said, I, I'm I'm pretty aware of most of the first couple seasons, mm-hmm. and then somewhere along the way, I think it just kind of lost it where I wasn't following things anymore. I remember feeling maybe I don't know. I got to see the other ones. I don't get with this, you know, like yeah. a little bit of that. Like I felt like I didn't have like any continuity, and I know it wasn't completely synced where you had to know the it next episode. But all of a sudden, there's characters in there that you didn't. How these guys right. get there, mm-hmm. right. and that's when you're like, you know what? I need to feel like I need to go back and watch them all. And that just mm-hmm. never, never happened. Or, yeah. or when they didn't show them in order. I remember being confused as a kid when they didn't show them in order, and you would have like Riker with no beard. And then tomorrow he's got a beard, and then you the next what? day he's got no beard. And, was, and then, and then at one point, and the uniforms you've got, kept changing. And the uniforms, and like, but then it, the happening? one, the one I remember as a kid that really threw me off was because I always loved the three characters: Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. Yeah. So when it got to this one, like I always paid close attention to well, who's like the Doctor? The Doctor is always a big yeah, character. And then when it switched from Crusher to Pulaski to Crusher to Pulaski, yeah. to, I'm like, well, wait Old a minute. Becky, new Becky. The, right. Like, <laughs> who's the doctor? I don't. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's funny because that's when I started watching. Like, I remember the time, the TV Guide. Mm-hmm. Uh, the TV Guide man. Does Worf have long hair? Does Worf have short hair? Yeah. Right. <laughs> and the TV Guide, I remember they showed the new Enterprise and mm-hmm. it's like the new generation and they had little pictures yeah. in the corner. And my grandmother was a Star Trek. And see, we grew up, I grew up watching Star Trek, the original show mm-hmm. and the movies. Like, I mean, so, I mean, I'd see those in syndication or what, you know. And then when this came out, it's the same thing. Like, I, it wasn't like a big family event that we all sat down and watched the, the, the first season. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't till I was old enough to kind of turn on the TV and, hey, guys, this is going to be my show to watch, mm-hmm. that it's the same thing. I'd start watching, but I probably started in the middle of season, maybe the end of two. Like, mm-hmm. some of the episodes in two, I'm like, okay, I remember this. Mm-hmm. 
and three, but then also all the syndication ones. Like you said, now when they show shows on television, they do that, they'll replay the season in mm-hmm. order. Right. Then it was like just bounced around. So mm-hmm. I'd be like, okay, I'm following, and then here's this wild card episode. Yeah. Where did well, this come and from? And what used to, what was weird, like uh, they did this with The Simpsons for a long time on Fox. The, the the continuity existed in the time slot. So yeah. the four the four p.m. time slot mm-hmm. had continuity. But if you watched the six o'clock, that's it. Yeah. You it had, had its own track. continuity. It was on a separate track already. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. But it's but when I came back and I'm like, okay, it's time to rewatch some of the next year. And this was like a couple years ago. I'm like, I'll pop on some of those old episodes. I'll catch up on the ones that I hadn't seen. Mm-hmm. The first couple, the first season and a half, I was like, this is new and not exciting. Mm-hmm. But then once you got to the point that I started watching it as a kid, I'm like, I remember that. I remember that. Oh, I missed mm-hmm. that one. No, I didn't. I remember that. You know, mm-hmm. they all came back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it was at a certain point that I probably just started watching them regularly. Mm-hmm. So. Now, do you guys own the episodes? Do you own the DVDs? Because I know my brother has like all I that don't. I, I started or... a collection when I first got a real job. Someone was, do- Columbia House was doing VHS tapes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You could get two episodes per yeah. tape and you start a subscription and blah, blah, blah. 23 for you. Right. The music. Yeah. yeah. And I that. got, I think I got through season, like halfway through season three and then I stopped mm-hmm. because the collection was so damn big. I didn't yeah. have a place to yeah. put on. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Think about all those VHS tapes. Oh, I, they I, were in I'm gorgeous boxes. My but, apartment is shelving. Yeah. Yeah. You could have put them next to all the plates. Books, all the plates you used to have. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and no, I haven't. Every once in a while, I see a deal on like the Blu-ray season set, and I'm like, mm-hmm. hey, I should. Yeah. I should they're do all on. This. I mean, they're all on Netflix, so I don't. Yeah. Know. Yeah, but Netflix is proven lately to be so ephemeral. I start to get twitchy. Oh, I know. What if it goes yeah. away? I just, well, then know? there's then there's the public library. That's true. Yeah. That's true. I do. I, I should see if he's got it. I have all the movies. Yeah. I have all the movies on well, Blu-ray. And, and see, that's just it. I have. There's only I. If I'm if I'm being honest, there's a handful of episodes per season that I would want to rewatch. See, that's the problem. So yeah, I don't think sure. I'd buy the sets. If it if it I was this close to pulling the trigger on a standard death version. Yeah. I was like you know, but then the remaster. I'm like, oh, wow. someone's gonna put some money into that. Just saying, you're talking about my brother and having all the stuff, and I said I was just telling him he's saying that he remembers the visitation and being a big pleasure. I said so much that I did the video montage for everything, and at the very end. I tie it in with uh, with the, 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 the when Spock dies and they said, oh, oh wow. that's his and it goes off and it like mm-hmm. and it, I have him basically I somehow kind of did it where it was Danny in the thing <laughs> and he gets sent off to the to, to what you call it he gets oh, eulogized by Star cool. by Kirk he gets eulogized by Kirk at the end this of all the, the people of all the beings this is the most human, human. human. <laughs> yeah exactly and it like goes off and then it shows it like it's and amazing and it's kind of ended like with uh, with uh, Genesis planet. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I'm oh, gonna find that perfect. somewhere. I got that somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it was great because, like, if you if you showed up at that wake and you did mm-hmm. not know he was a big Star Trek fan, mm-hmm. you're like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> but everyone else is like, I got that. Oh my god, it's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. All right, go back. All right, man. <laughs> He's going back to war. Yeah. <clears throat> all right. Um. All right. So let's do. Uh, how about top five aliens? Because we did. We were kind of talking about the Borg, and then we got off on our, our sidetrack. But that's fine. It's a good sidetrack to get off on. Um, so top five alien lists. So Pat, why don't you go ahead and do yours? You only uh, have you only have four. In your... I know I can't fill Slatum with five. Um, That's all right. Klingons, fascinated with the, yes, 
fascinated with the culture mm-hmm. uh, that they showed and, and just found that 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 was very cool that they that they showed there was kind of a, a, a method behind the you know just them being barbarians mm-hmm. kind of thing um right down to and I think you'd said it and I think it was the second season and that's where I think the second season really came alive when uh, Riker does the officer exchange mm-hmm. and he's on mm-hmm. the ship and they yeah. show that and I, I just thought that was very cool second the Bajorans I you know, I'm a Deep Space Nine guy, so I guess I have mm-hmm. to put that one down. And they kind of put them in a couple of the episodes, mm-hmm. so that, you know, makes kinda it... get them introduced. And I, I just found that whole thing uh, very cool. I mean, not only, like, but, the, you know, a refugee people, resistance fighter, mm-hmm. uh, a spiritual people. And in a sci-fi and... Um, not No, I shouldn't say sci-fi. In a secular mm-hmm. sci-fi world. And they really don't do much. They They'll... they'll well, you, know, you notice you notice that didn't happen until Gene passed away. Yes, mm-hmm. because yeah. I know he was pretty ab, well, ab- a self-proclaimed mm-hmm. secular humanist. Right, mm-hmm. right. So he, yeah, and so I and I find that interesting how they started to explore that, and they really didn't present any answers, but just more questions. Anyways, mm-hmm. I, I like that that was the culture that they used with that. Um, the Q. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's just cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, not the least of which of is that character. Mm-hmm. John Delancey played yeah. such a... He's awesome. Yeah. He when was, he and Patrick Stewart get going on oh, the yeah. scene, you yeah. just... It, come on. It's like... To, I always think of him as like... Uh, do you read any of the... Have you ever read any of like the Superman comics or watched any of like the Superman cartoons? And a, yeah. There's a little imp character named Mr. Mixes Pitlick. Mm-hmm. And like mm-hmm. the only way Superman can get rid of him is like to force him to... Some, trick him into saying his name backwards. <laughs> Or, little or, Rumpelstiltskin yeah, troll. Okay. Like a little yeah. little troll kind of guy that shows up and he has the power to pretty much do anything. Basically, he's Q. Okay. But he's this like little like leprechaun looking kind of guy. Yeah. And he shows up like every three months to bother Superman because that's the, you know, once he gets sent back to fifth, the fifth dimension, he's got 90 days and then he can show up again. Yeah. And then Superman tricks him into somehow spelling or saying his name backwards and then he's gone for 90 more days. And so, uh, I always liked that character in the Superman comic books just because it was like, it was fun. It was mischief. It was, he could do anything. Like, yeah. He could snap his fingers and things, yeah. you know, everybody turned into a horse or yeah. know, whatever. Um, but he always kind of got on your nerves. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh man, another Mixes Pitlick episode or issue. Yeah. All right. It's kind of, it's kind of funny, but let's get it over with. But the Q character is the exact same way, exact same powers mm-hmm. and the same kind of relationship you know, Picard, even though Picard is supposed to be the inferior creature here, it's like Picard is like, all right, you, what are we doing this time? Mm-hmm. Like, let's just get this over with yeah. and then you can leave and then we'll all get back to normal. And so I always felt it was the same kind of way, but like this was the more interesting of okay. the two. Cool. Uh, and then the last one on the list is mm-hmm. the, uh, data lore. I, mm-hmm. you know, the artificial intelligence, the artificial life and, yeah. um, you know, I the sons of Sulu. Yeah, that's right. And I, I just think it was, I just think it was kind of uh, just a cool angle when they got into you know discussions of what is life. And mm-hmm. I always thought Data was cool. Plus, mm-hmm. he he was a cool character. Mm-hmm. And sometimes in his, you know, that they say that you know he he exhibited more humanity than than the real humans. You know, because he was just trying to understand it with his robot brain and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And at times that you would see him being human for example the Klingon Civil War they put him in charge of the ship mm. and then the one guy you know you'll hear him use an angry tone of voice when there's an insubordinate officer mm-hmm. and you might say oh well 
that's just a, that's not really an emotion. That's a that's a machine. That's a that's a robot or an android brain saying this person is being insubordinate. I need to respond by Use changing tone my tone of voice. Of voice. Yeah. But how is that different than as a teacher? I'm not going to really get mad at the class, mm-hmm. but I'm going to sound like I'm upset with the class. Right. Or you know, it, it just kind of mm-hmm. that character provokes um, those thoughts, and you yeah. know, the, the the chances to be humorous in them as well. Um, it's yeah, that, yeah, I thought those those guys were cool. And I have a question: that yep. Soong was the guy that invented him. Was that the same Soong that in Enterprise was the one meddling with you know? Superhuman powers and supposed to be an ancestor, it's supposed to be an answer, yeah. an ancestor Related, but not yeah. the same guy. No, got it. Okay, yeah. that's my list. Okay, well, check out you guys, man. You guys are lining up. On so, that we list. were, yeah, we were almost, we were almost kind of, yeah, exactly the same, just slightly different stuff order. around you. Uh, so I had Borg, Klingons, Cardassians, Trill, and Bajoran. So, you can kind of see like my Deep Space Nine stuff, right? Gets in there too. Talking about when we watch these, I think. In terms of watching something consistently, yeah, I probably watched Deep Space Nine first. Okay, in a consistent way because we were living over in England and we didn't have, um, you know, Next Generation was out, so you could see that over in England. But we didn't have uh, Deep Space Nine was going to be a year to a year and a half later that England wasn't going to get to see it, and I had heard that it came out in the states, and my uncle knew that I liked Star Trek. Yeah, he knew I loved the movies, and he knew that I kind of liked some of the Next Generation stuff, and I'd watched it here and there. Um, and so he actually sent me, he recorded the first half of the first season of Deep Space Nine on a VHS tape for me, like a super long VHS tape. He, there were like maybe seven, eight episodes on mm-hmm. it, um, and mailed that over to the UK for me okay. to be able to watch. And so I remember watching all that and thinking, this is awesome. Like, this makes me love Next Generation even more, mm-hmm. but I, I had those to watch, and then that was it for a really long time until it officially came out in the UK, and then I could watch the rest of it. So I think some of my favorite characters came from Deep Space Nine first, like mm-hmm. some of my alien races that I really like came from there first, and then I went back to Next Generation. I was like, the Cardassians show up here first. I didn't even know that. It's like an origin This story. is really good. Cool. Right, right. And so, I mean, some of the same stuff, like Klingons, I've always liked the Klingons. Like, they were always the best bad guys in the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Borg, always loved the Borg. I mean, I think I've always been a big zombie fan. Okay. So, when you get sci-fi and, yeah. zombies, basically what the Borg are, uh-huh. sci-fi zombies. Um, Super-powered sci-fi zombies. Right. So, I, Borg, I've always add loved. your technological and physical distinction to our own. Resistance is futile. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and then you get to the movies, and then that was always my dad's favorite movie uh, of the new ones was First Contact. Mm-hmm. And, awesome. His, awesome. and his personal favorite, which he referred to as Betty Borg, mm-hmm. leader of the, the Borg, the Borg Queen. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Alice Krieger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and then yours was really similar, too. It was, yeah, I would just change some stuff at the bottom. Yeah. Um, all the things that have been said about the Klingons, of course, the mm-hmm. Borg, same thing. The trill are just fun. The concept mm-hmm. of a joined being with mm-hmm. two person. I mean, there's something about that that's cool. Um, I probably should have rated the Cardassians higher. It was hard because they were finally the evil SOBs that the series needed all along. Mm-hmm. Tried were, with the Romulans and failed. They were, the right. Romulans. They I were evil and they were smart. But the, Why? We can't write good Romulans. I don't know. Well, because I feel like the Cardassians are what the Romulans should have been. Yeah! So I don't know why you needed a different <laughs> race. You could just done the Romulans. 
But I kind of so much I, potential, and, and I don't, and I don't know the, the this for is. sure. But it feels like they looked at the Romulans and they're like, "Ah, evil Vulcans. That's easy. Hmm. We'll just have evil Vulcans." I'm like, "Well, no, that's not." The Romulans drive me yeah. crazy. They have such the perfect structure in place. Mm-hmm. There's been so much world building about the Romulans over the years, but just never a solid. If you if you watch the Romulan episodes, Next Generation, they show up, they rattle some sabers, mm-hmm. and then they. Turn tail and leave. Right, you don't see them for a while. The, but the, there's so much world building that's been done over the years. I mean, the, the Romulan Star Empire. They got really cool mm-hmm. looking ships. Oh, and I love their ships. Yeah. And they're the cloaking devices, and they use a different sort of uh, different sort of drive system. Mm-hmm. So there's all this technology and world building that's gone on, but they write them so horribly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're not even. They try, and they finally made a movie with some Romulans mm-hmm. in it. And they turned out to be Remans, and it just didn't work out. What the hell? It's like, look at me, let's make some Romulans, but let's make them look like Nosferatu. Yeah. This, yeah. yeah. It was so disappointing. Because I want it. I want the great Romulan movie, the great Romulan story. There's just mm-hmm. so much there. Also, I always wanted a Q movie. I thought that would have been mm. fun. It could be fun. Yeah. Not that he had to be the antagonist, but something with Q in there would have been good. Right. Like Q and Romulans. All right. Well, I think... Uh, I, think... I, I want to oh, say... Yeah, that, no, I was going to say, I want to say that the Romulans were supposed to be the original bad guys. At Star they Trek. were. It wasn't supposed mm-hmm. to be the Klingons. Right. It was supposed to be... In fact, there was that original series when... The Balance guy of played, Terror. Yeah. When, wasn't that when Sarek played the Romulan? Yeah. Com- it yeah. was almost like submarines, yeah. and then the one guy was going against Spock. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, yeah, I mean... And Kirk and the... Eyeshadow. Right. Yeah. yeah. And the... I um, yeah. In any event, yeah, that, I, I get what you're saying about the Romulans. Now, it's interesting because later in 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 Deep Space Nine, in Deep Space Nine, they, but they, they really, like, I think they, that allows them the flexibility where the Klingons are the warrior ones. Hmm. The Romulans, and like you said, they, they have everything there, but they always sit back, right? When And they actually say that in Deep Space Nine. They say that... Well, the Romulans are kind of the ones that will just kind of sit back the and see which way the we, the waves the, blow, and they're, they're more the espionage and the yeah you know. yeah. And, the best Romulan episode was a Klingon episode, right? Yeah. It was the right. one where they were trying to sneak the whole thing of ships over, and it's because the Romulans were back in the other house of the Klingon Empire, mm-hmm. right? Best Romulan episode, Klingon <laughs> episode. Just saying that guys no. makes me mad. Yeah, <laughs> come on. All right. Well, I think but we're yeah, gonna. Developed their, they even had a, 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 a an intelligence unit with a scary name, and they did yeah. evil mm-hmm. things. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm just gonna say, I <laughs> love, I love the one where they and Sela, uh-huh. where um, Jordy and uh, uh, Ensign Rowe end up in the transporter accident, yeah. mm-hmm. and they're running around the ship, and no one can see them, and they're like, we must mm-hmm. be dead. And then they realize they're not dead; that it's just <laughs> a thing. They walk by, and there's that one round one that was just another like decent Romulan he was, he was, There's one. Mm-hmm. There's you know, a good Romulan episode. Right, and he was he was stuck in the uh, he was stuck in that like weird time mm-hmm. dimension mm-hmm. too. And like you just see him kind of like looking around, like, wait, does that guy hear? It? Wait, is he on there? You know. And then mm-hmm. it comes to commercial, and then it comes back, and he comes out, and he's got the 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 phaser leveled at him, and just his delivery is great because he's like, yes, I too have been caught in the whatever dimension, <laughs> and he says, and then he holds up the gun. Ah, you noticed my phaser. Yes, it too was. Cr- I mean, just the way he delivers that line. Go back and watch. Right. We gotta pull that seat up. That's a great off. That is that is classic. Example, yeah. And it's just like, uh, yes, you notice my. It's like you know, you notice my. Gun. I see your Schwartz. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. That's exactly what it it's sounded like, a, like. It's like a Bond villain. It is. Yeah, like, I know. And then they, yeah, whatever they. I think they throw him through a wall because they can yeah. pass mm-hmm. through like. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, 
Yeah, those those guys. <coughs> they can pass through walls in that episode, but floors weren't a problem. Yeah. That's right. Uh, you know, <laughs> Details. Hey, hey, we, floors are made with a totally different kind of metal. We, we've had enough of like characters floating in space. <clears throat> Troy, we don't need to have more people floating through space. I'm just... <laughs> All right. So uh, I think because we're going to be talking about this for a little bit longer, I think we're gonna we're gonna do one more of our categories, maybe two, and then we're gonna we're gonna end this episode, mm-hmm. and then people can come on back in a few days, and okay, we will. I could use we'll, yeah. Uh, so people come on back in a few days and we will have part two of this where we're going to go over our favorite episodes, top five of all time, and then we'll go through our favorite episode of each season. <clears throat> but we're going to finish with these two questions. Um, we're going to do top five ships. That may take us a minute. Mm. And uh, then we'll do a favorite crossover episode where a next generation character appears in another Star Trek series. Mm. So those will be our last two questions for this episode. And then we're going to jump into our other one uh, that people will come back and find in a couple of days or so. So, top five ships. So, let's go ahead. We'll read our lists off, and then we can go through and talk about why we chose those options for uh, our top five ships. All right. So, Bo, what were your top five ships? Uh, the Defiant, the Enterprise E, the souped-up Enterprise D from All Good Things, mm-hmm. the Pasteur. The one where they just threw on the extra naso. Oh, and don't forget the Spinal Lance, my friend. Oh, that's true. That's true. Okay. That thing was awesome. That's, that's the Spinal Lance. Oh, you got to watch all good things again. Yeah. Right. Admiral Riker's when they Enterprise got the, D. Yeah. There's a, there's another phaser, but it's not like the normal spinny mm-hmm. arky thing right underneath it. runs right underneath the saucer section. Yeah. And Is that that big beam that like cuts ships uh-huh, in half? Uh-huh. And yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just like, like, it's like the BFG from Doom. Yeah. Right. It's just like, pew, and the things. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of, by the way, I just watched that horrible movie. Oh, okay. yeah, I'm, I'm referencing the video game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Klingon Battle Cruiser is my mm-hmm. is my last one. So not the Bird of Prey, but the one from. Um, it was more the uh, Gowron always flew around in one. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a gray, almost looked like a. Um, it looked like a knife. It looked like that Klingon mm-hmm. knife, but if you made it into a starship. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I had that pointy yeah. It's got like the, the p- pagoda yeah. on the mm-hmm. top. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Uh, mine were the Borg Cube, uh, the Enterprise D, pretty much any iteration of the Enterprise D. We can just mm. throw that in there. Uh, the Romulan Warbird. I awesome. loved Fantastic. Romulan Warbird every time that showed up. And, the, and, and it's huge. So have underused. You ever seen, oh, well, like yeah. the Romulans in general. Right. But have you ever seen a poster that does scale? I used to have have a a set that I bought in the UK when I was in middle school, elementary school. Um, We had a model building club. And so I bought this set and it had a Ferengi ship. It had the original series Enterprise. Mm -hmm. It had the um, Enterprise A. It had the Enterprise D. And it had an original series Romulan Warbird, a next generation Romulan, a huge model set. And a Klingon battle cruiser from the original, um, from Star Trek VI. Oh, sure. And yeah, they yeah. were all to scale. The Warbird really? was huge. If compared I remember to all the correctly, ships. you can fit the saucer section of the Enterprise mm-hmm. D in, in like the each, hollowed out space in, each wing? in yeah. the Warbird. Is it in each wing or is it in? I think it's in the, the whole middle. thing, but don't okay. quote me on that. Okay. Because I'm trying to make, yeah, because the the Warbird was huge. The model of the Warbird that I had was the biggest model of all of them. And then the Enterprise was just a little bit smaller. So, yeah, I think it probably was. You can park the saucer section, like in between. Mm -hmm. It obviously wouldn't actually work because the way that Mm -hmm. Warbird is shaped, but 
Right. Given no structural concerns, the but space I remember is there. I put those models together and then I hung them like from the ceiling. Oh, right on. And and I was like, I can't hang this thing. Like nothing is going to keep this hanging. <laughs> in the I can put as many thumbtacks as I want. It's going to look like Spider Man is trying uh, to hang I this thing. I need some eighty pound test yeah. and uh, <laughs> John's roof collapses. Fishing, there's a fishing lure and something. Yeah, um, we're just going to super glue this to the ceiling. So yeah, Romulan warbirds in there. Uh, Klingon bird of prey. Like I've always okay. loved the Klingon. Ever since, ever since uh, Star Trek three. Mm-hmm. Uh, ever since um, having them fly the bird of prey in mm-hmm. Star Trek four. Um, the uh, special souped up can stay cloaked and still fire bird of prey from six. Mm-hmm. Um, just I've always loved that one. And the, the model, I had a model of that one too. And that was the only Star Trek ship model that I had where you could actually raise and lower the wings on it too. A bird of prey cannot fire while she's yeah. cloaked. <laughs> this, this one this can. One can. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other one that I've got, just because I loved, I, I went through my mm-hmm. ships and I got to it and I was like, I can't think of a fifth one. Like, I can't narrow down a fifth <laughs> one. Because I like Ferengi ships. You know, those are kind of cool. But I was like, what if... I mean, there's a ton of different kinds of Federation ships. I was like, what is my favorite-looking Federation ship? And so I went with the Akira class. Um, and I... I'll pull one of those up real quick. On the screen so you can the see it. The ship that Riker gets at the end of... It was this one. Actually, you know what? It kind of reminds it, me. It kind of reminds me of the look of the Discovery. Yeah. From the new series, that's the Akira isn't, class, um, and it shows up in First Contact. Isn't what Riker ends up getting the Titan? Isn't it a modified <coughs> Akira? What does he get that one? The last movie. I don't even know if they show it. Mm-hmm. It I might just be. It, it might just be an after literature. That I know that. So in the end the of the last movie, he actually gets a ship. Like he, he does. A, oh, he does. Mm-hmm. It's it's similar. Uh, let's see, USS Titan, uh, newly promoted Captain William T. Riker became the captain of the USS Titan. He transferred from the Enterprise E along with his wife, Counselor Deanna Troy, for their yeah. first assignment. The Titan crew was similar. Blah, 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 blah. Um, it's not an Akira, though. They don't it. say... It's got... The Akira yeah, it's didn't a little have... Bit, it's a little bit different. The Akira didn't have that little mission pod on top. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the nacelles are as low on the Akira. I, they don't say on That's here... Cool, oh, no, no. Here it is. The Lunar Star Trek... Class. No, well, here it says in the Star Trek role-playing game, Mm. states that the Titan was a brand-new Prometheus-class vessel. Mm. What am I seeing? So, um, I don't know. I thought I saw something about Luna in here, too. But, yeah. There's a whole book series, Mm -hmm. Star Trek Titan. It's all about him. Okay. It's all about him. Yep. Okay. Uh, Oh, there's one called the USS Luna. Oh, no, Mm -hmm. no, no, here we go. Um, in the novel series Star Trek Titan it was stated the Titan was not the first ship of its class with that honor going to the pathfinder of the class the USS Luna and that all Luna class ships were named for moons in the Sol system there it is okay so then okay okay oh actually the the Star Trek role playing game is the non-canon source that calls it Prometheus class got it the novels call it Luna class okay I knew I knew I was getting that somewhere but yeah 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 Mm -hmm. okay and it does look very Akira-like, but not as much as I remembered mm-hmm. it. But yeah, I, and I wanted to, like, I was, I kept thinking back to all those episodes, like, Best of Both Worlds and to First Contact, when you see all of the so different much. types of ships, and I was like, okay, which one, because I always thought the Reliant was kind of cool. Just mm-hmm, that, that yeah. different shape of it, but then I'm like, all right, well, we got to go next generation, so what's kind of close to that? And, uh, um, I liked the look of, Enter- of the Enterprise in Enterprise. 
Mm. And I kind of feel like the Akira is kind of Oh, yeah, that's like right in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and that's why I like the design of the Discovery for the new one, too, because it's similar to that. All right. Um, Pat, what you got for us? Okay, well, the first one, and I've listed these out of order, but the Klingon Bird of Prey. Mm -hmm. You took everything I was going to say right Mm -hmm. out of that showed up in Search for Spock, thought it was cool looking, thought that it was cool that it was smaller, thought that it was more mm-hmm. like, kind of like a... Just like love a, the shape of that. Yeah. yeah. It actually looks like a bird. Yeah, it mm-hmm. does. And it's it's sort of like the uh, old World War II submarine mm-hmm. ethos. You know, it goes, oh, yeah. you know, the, 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 the crew is one step away from like, you know, pirates, but very small mm-hmm. in there. You know, the whole cloaking thing is like a submarine going underwater. Right. It was what the yeah. relation that it's I made to the it. The closest space equivalent you can get. Is yeah, and they try device. and sneak in mm-hmm. and, and get you before you got them. Mm-hmm. And then they just expanded on that all the way, even into the new episodes. Is Now, they made it bigger. And in some of the episodes, like that thing is supposed, you know, the vertebrae is in some tiny little ship. Mm-hmm. It's like a bigger thing. And, you know, they... I mean, there's plenty of writings of, well, it was this class, and there's a this, and mm-hmm. there's a that. But, the, I, you know, the ship is still pretty, I think the ships are, are pretty cool, and I think they they kind of standardize it that, um, that that it is. It's the smaller scouting, mm-hmm. more stay-hidden kind of stay hidden kind of ship. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, I, I always dug the bird of prey. And, um, you know, all the times that it shows up in Next Generation and, and all that, that's that's exciting. Uh, next, obviously, the Defiant. Yeah, I'm a Deep Space Nine guy, and mm-hmm. so the Defiant is... Pretty awesome because basically, that's like the Federation equivalent to a Klingon bird of prey. Mm-hmm. You know, they the Federation finally builds a ship that's just like the bird of prey, right? It can cloak, it can sneak around. It you know, it's it's like a submarine. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was cool. Um, yesterday's Enterprise D, mm-hmm. I the Enterprise is a cool ship and all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. But I was always fascinated with yesterday's Enterprise. Um, because that one's the one that has like you know no frills. Basically, all mm-hmm. the crew quarters are filled up with. You know, uh, either weapons or right. it's the more militaristic. Yeah the, yeah, the combat troops and all that kind of stuff. And you think about that—that that, that thing could, you know, mm-hmm. take over a planet or blow up a planet or, or whatever. Um, and I always thought, kind of, I always liked the look of the metallic and darker uh, sets and mm-hmm. bridges and, and all that kind of stuff. It was a little bit like when they'd have the uh, the battle bridge and they'd separate yeah. the saucer section and then yeah. Yeah, and even 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 the movies. Mm-hmm. Wrath of Khan and Search for Spock. Those bridges had a little bit of a darker, more metallic mm-hmm. look. Maybe, maybe. Well, Search for Spock mm-hmm. was darker because they were stealing it. Yeah, they were stealing right. it, and the lights were turned off. And yeah, so I, I, um, I dug the you know the bird prey, the divine yesterday's Enterprise D. I, mm-hmm. I thought that was the cool version of that one. Um, then the next one is it was basically like another one that looked like Reliant. Mm-hmm. And um, I had to search for, to see what the class is, but it was basically, if you remember the wounded, when mm-hmm. they chase uh, Captain Maxwell, it's it's kind of the modern version of the, the Reliant. Datum mm-hmm. was commanded it, a, a different version, a different ship of that class. Mm-hmm. I thought that thing kind of had. It's a cool another look. one like the Titan. It's got that removable mm-hmm. mission specific pod on top. Mm-hmm. Yes, and so that one, you know, that was cool. And I, I just think that it's cool that in this generation, sorry, pardon the pun, of Star Trek. The ships have a real common look to them. Like mm-hmm. all the, you know, it's like the Enterprise is the new look for the next generation, and then all the ships kind of have a variation off that. So it's a flying saucer mm-hmm. with right. engines hanging off of it. Um, Until you get to the one that's like totally different. Was it uh, Dr. Crusher's ship? Yeah. From all Good Things? There was the. Yeah, is that the, all good? Th- that was all yeah, good. Yeah, that was past, yeah. the Pasteur. It, it has the, the ball yeah, on yeah. front, mm-hmm. but it still does have the. You know what it looks like? It looks like. Um, 2001. Yeah, but no, there's another. 
There is an early Star Trek there, ship. Yes, there oh, is. Okay. And it, it, it's going to kill me because it's going to take me a while to come up with it. But it just didn't have the nacelles like that. I think it was a... Um, it might not have been a Starfleet ship. It might have been like a trade freighter or something. Mm. There is there is definitely a visual... That's always been what I've loved about Star Trek is with all the other plot holes and things, the design, mm-hmm. there was always a path. Like you could see the history and the design of everything. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 cool. So anyways, that was that. And then the final one was the Romulan battle yeah. crew or Bird of Prey or whatever they mm-hmm. call that thing. And, you know, you guys summed it all up in the, but it was just exotic. You know, right. I mean, mm-hmm. you'd seen a bird of prey before. You'd seen the Klingon battle cruiser before. You'd mm-hmm. seen, oh, well, maybe not the one that you were mentioning, but it still had the same oh, yeah, general yeah. shape. Yeah. This was something new, mm-hmm. you know, and so that kind of, that was, that was kind of exciting. Our last topic before we end this episode, and we'll go to part two of our episode in a few days. Um, favorite crossover episode where a next generation character appears in another Star Trek series. So, uh, Pat, we'll start with you because you had Deep Space Nine. Bo and I have the same episode from Deep Good Space choice, Nine. Good choice, by the way. But, uh, Excellent no. choice you guys had. For Defiant? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, but, yeah, I had the... the, the way, just way of the Warrior. Way of the Warrior. I mean, it brings Worf into the new series, and it kind of explains... Kind of, well, you know, we're, we're big into this now with movies and it. What happens after? You know, and we see that in fairy tales all the time. What happens after they live happily ever after? You know, all that. And this kind of shows, well, what happened after the Enterprise D crashed in Generations? And, you know, like when the series... And, you know, they bring Worf back. And then it also, again, just opens up that Klingon um, culture that much more. Mm-hmm. And then it just really brings to the fore that Worf trying to be more Klingon, mm-hmm. but having to serve the uniform... You know, serve the uh, uh, the federation that he he pledged his loyalty to, and those coming at you know those are at loggerheads. Mm-hmm. So now he needs to decide well which one does he favor, and you know he has to get advice and he has to get um, <clears throat> he, um, he he has to get advice from other people, some of which he you know are strangers. You know he goes to Odo for advice, and he, you know or he ends up talking to Odo for advice, and I I just found that that episode fascinating mm-hmm. because. That right there, he had to like take direct opposition to the Klingons, and it was like I think that when they found him in that episode, he was on some Klingon move meditating. He wanted to just mm-hmm. take you know take time off, be away from people. And now he had to come in, and I think he even said it in that episode. Look, I'm a Klingon, but I will serve the uniform that I said. And and then for the first time, because of the way they write Deep Space Nine, yeah, he is the fish out of water. Yeah, he's the the one that doesn't belong anywhere, but now all of a sudden Deep Space Nine is full of those people. And so he starts to feel at home. And at the end he says, yeah, I'll take a tour of duty here, you know, and, and he starts to feel at home. Mm-hmm. Even though it's not the normal surroundings and there's a lot of things he's got to get used to, but it's cool because as an outcast, he finds a place amongst other outcasts. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I thought that was, that was, that was my, uh, that was definitely my favorite uh, crossover. Yeah. Um, you can. I mean, we both picked. Yeah, go ahead. Find from from D Space Nine. Um, I was. Just, I kind of like the premise of the Tom Riker character. Yeah. I like the fact that you could just kind of play around with that, and I, I liked at the beginning of that episode where you, you absolutely were convinced that this was Riker, mm-hmm. and maybe like leaning towards the womanizing Riker, mm-hmm. and, and it was like, oh, okay, well, it's definitely a different characterization mm-hmm. than than what we saw in. Uh, you know, he's kind of that way in mm-hmm. in Next Generation, but not quite. And then all of a sudden, you realize it's yeah. Tom Riker and. And I always kind of liked his 
the whole idea of, of where he came from. Like yeah. The whole idea of the transporter accident, mm-hmm. you know, creating this whole other person that's, you know, yeah. like the, the clone of Riker. and holodeck uh, Riker. Right. <clears throat> and just how you can just kind of play with that and then... I liked it. I thought it was cool he could pull his beard off. I know. I like goatee when you, and become yeah. evil. Yeah, it was bad guy. I'm <laughs> right. just like, that's cool. I like that. Like we're not quite mirror universe. Cool the guy, bad the guy. Yeah, By the way, why the heck didn't they do a mirror universe TNG episode? I don't know. Is Some that, that the, stuff is, is that the gold. only series that they didn't do a mirror universe? Uh, did, did they, they do, do Voyager? A Voyager? That's a great question. No. I have to look that up. They, I don't think they did. They did how would they have pulled that off? Yeah. No, because they would have been in the wrong place. The closest, mm-hmm. the closest mirror thing they had with Voyager. Well, they had that whole where the doctor they turned the doctor on like four hundred. That one where they. Oh years no! Later. I was talking about the reset button about halfway through season. Oh, the the, four, year, maybe? the year in hell. Yeah, or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, oh, you're fake. You're fake. You're real. You're real. Um, yeah, we're gonna make one crew out of this whole group. <laughs> like, yeah. You're dead. You're not. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, that was weird. Um, You're right, they didn't do it in Voyager either, but I, I just don't know why they didn't do it in Next Generation. It would have been so cool. Mm-hmm. Mirror Universe Picard. Oh, I yeah. I really want that. Because <laughs> you, you had seven years of the show. And, I know. And there were plenty of times you could have traded out a And they got a lot of traction. Yeah. They got a lot of traction mm-hmm. out of the Mirror Universe on Deep Space Nine. Like, they went back mm-hmm. to that well a couple times. That's the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, smiley, smiley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you know what? You know what I found interesting is as I was rewatching, and I made sure to like really rewatch the first couple seasons because I was the most hazy with those. Mm. And as I was watching them, I'm like, you know, a lot of this just had that same feel as the original, mm-hmm. where it's like swinging sixties, checking mm-hmm. out crazy cultures. Well, you know? yeah, because like, a lot of those original mm-hmm. scripts were just were reused for the yeah. next. And oh, I was like, God. oh yeah, I, I found that oh, interesting. Yeah, so rough, so rough. All right. Well, I think we're going to call it there for this time. Um, And we are going to, we'll see you in a couple of days or so. And uh, we'll post up that next episode here in a few days. Um, But we'll come back and we will finish off. We've got a a last couple of topics here that we haven't gotten to just yet. Uh, We're going to rank the Next Generation era movies. Uh, We're going to talk about which one piece of Star Trek technology, if we or Star Trek Next Generation technology, if we could have, what would we have? Uh, We got to talk about what character would we want to be or do we most identify with? Um, you know, favorite episodes, favorite episodes by season, where we only get to pick one per season, and then our top, well, I guess, bottom five worst episodes of Star Trek: The Next Generation. We got to go through. I even mounted of crap. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So until next time, uh, if you want to catch us somewhere, we are at Thirty Podcast, Thirty Podcast dot com. Uh, we're on Stitcher, Satchel, Google Play, iTunes, all those places. Um, feel free to let us know. Uh, Leave us a review on iTunes, but uh, you can catch us all those different places. And uh, so next time, a few days from now, we'll have our second episode on Star Trek The Next Generation. And then uh, after that, we're going to be doing, coming up pretty soon, we'll be doing an episode where we talk about all the stuff that came out of D23 and Comic-Con, because there's just a ton of stuff that came out. And we're still giggling every time I watch Thor Ragnarok trailers and Ready Player One and all that stuff. So, all right. Well, in the meantime, live long and prosper. Transporter room four. More security. More security. 